Hey, everybody, welcome to What a Classic Novel Idea with Dave. And Abby. Welcome back, everybody. So this is our second episode of our series on Private Prejudice by Jane Austen. Yes. So in case you are tuning in this episode, which is fine, you can. We probably listen to the first one because it's a whole book thing. But here's the premise. Abby read the books. I have not. All I did was read the summary of what the book is about because, well, I digress. I'm not a big fan of classics which is kind of why we're doing this, to convince me that maybe I should try and read these at some point in time. Yeah, I and I am a big fan of classics and reading a book cover to cover. I don't think there's ever been a book that I haven't finished, regardless of how awful it was. I used to have that problem. I couldn't I couldn't stop reading a book. I, I had to read a book all the way through and I hated it. But recently, about a year ago, I, I started it. They'll turn it off. I don't like guys quit. Um, because I think, like, I respect what you do. But, like, if a book is, like, it's, there's only so much time I have in the world. There's so many books I want to read. I read books I don't like. Like, it just feels like I'm wasting my time. And it's no slate to the author or anything like that. It's just the book's not for me. That's the thing. There are different books for different people, and not everybody is going to like a specific book. But I tend to only pick up books that I think I'm going to like. I mean, I try to do that, but sometimes I'll – you know, I read a summary of the book sounds good, and I'll get into it. I'm like, I still, you know, it's I got messed with the with the way the writer's writing the book, or the plot isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. I mean, it, a million reasons why, but like, it's just I want to make sure people, you know, it's not a thing about it's not a slight against the author. It's just it's not really my cup of tea. Yeah, maybe but I'll learn how to do that one year. It was really hard to do because like I think I have like FOMO for books. Yeah, and I'm like, well, if it gets better, and but I'm like, but it's not getting better. I'm like, I just can't. You know, so like earlier this winter, I was actually reading a Christmas book. I, was, I thought it was gonna be really good because kind of like it was, it was like a it was like a, re- it was like a, it was like a reimagining of a Dickens a Christmas Christmas Carol, but like it was just too depressing. And I get Christmas Carol. I guess I, I get that it is. Depressing. Yeah. Have you read a Christmas Carol? No, I only watch. <laughs> okay. <Christmas laughs> well, maybe we'll add that to the list for Christmas time. <laughs> but like, it was like modern depressing which i think is different for me that makes any sense then old timey depressing yeah. right it was more like it was a lot of like emotional like i don't know it was just it's more in touch with your feelings than they were back then i guess so it just felt more i don't it's hard to describe but i will say i, I do watch christmas curl every year i watch the muppets version every every single year yes the best version. yeah that, that obviously it's the best version it really is. So, yeah. For all you haven't watched it yet, you know, it's not Christmas season anymore. You should watch it because it is the best retelling there could ever be. It's very good. It is. So, anyways. So, again, the premise of the show is that she reads the books. I read a summary. And then I t- talk about what I think is happening. And she tells me whether I'm on or off about it. Um, but there's a one twist at the end is if... And well, I shouldn't say if because it should all we should all have this, but every single time we do a story, it's gonna have a, a film adaptation. And we're both gonna watch that. Yes. Because I I can watch the movie for a couple hours. That's something I can do. Um and then we'll like compare that to what I think was happening in the story and kind of like recap it and kind of so I'll have some bit of context to how the story should be interpreted without just reading a summary on the internet. So that's kind of where we're at there. So, anyways, but we left off last time was that Darcy and Bingley left Netherfield, 
And the Bennett's marriage prospects seem very down at the moment right now. So from there, we skip over to the season of spring now. So they had left in the winter. So now it's spring. So it's, you know, all about, you know, like, I don't know. Which springs about like rejuvenate, I don't know, rejuvenation, whatever yes, you want. To yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe, but again, I haven't. Why is this not like, oh, wait, hold on. I almost have it. Okay. That is not helpful. Uh, anyways, so I'm trying to split my screen and it's not doing it very well for me for some reason. Okay. Technical difficulties yes, as ever. <laughs> yes. So it's spring and Elizabeth or Lizzie, as we, Affectionately call her apparently as a thing. Yes, I, they it that doesn't come across at all in the summaries. It seems because I I you always refer to her as Elizabeth and I say Lizzie because she's Lizzie. Yeah, so apparently that's what they're too formal, I guess, in the summary. Although but, I do believe it might be Charlotte or Jane calls her Eliza at some point as well. Oh, okay. I think that only happens like once. Okay, so Lizzie, this is Charlotte who now lives near the home, Mr. Collins' patron, uh, Lady Catherine de Borg. Borg. Catherine de Borg. De Borg. She sounds like a piece of work, just a day something. I, that's mean. I shouldn't say that. Just well, no, but she is a lady as well, which yeah. implies a certain amount of rank. Right. Yeah. Like Lady Danbury, only she doesn't seem as nice. I don't know that Lady Danbury is necessarily nice. She's one of my favorite characters, but I don't necessarily think that she's nice. But Once again, yeah. though, another Bridgerton reference because nothing's going happening. It's a whole reference to this entire book is Bridgerton, which is a totally different book series. Yeah, it is. It is. However, I do believe that Bridgerton was written because people love these specific classics pride and prejudice sense and sensibility all of jane austen's work so much so of course it's going to come up yeah that's true huh that's good see i i'm not wrong okay but anyway so lizzie is visiting charlotte at the home of mr uh, the Collins patron that's where mr collins is she's because that's her husband and she's her patron, whatever that means. I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what it means in like context, like, you know, back in the day you had patrons, but I don't know what it means in this day and age, I guess. But Because his parish is in her local area, especially, she's put a lot of money towards it. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So she's visiting there and, oh, and I... Okay, so Lady Catherine's also Darcy's aunt? Yes. Oh, so it gets the plot thickens. And I don't know if it's it, – in the book, it's mentioned around here, this point, I believe. So uh, Lady Catherine has a daughter, Anne, who is quite sickly. Um, but Anne and Darcy were, like, promised to each other when they were children. He was promised to his cousin? It's – Olden times, yes, this happens. Uh, Mr. Collins tried to marry Elizabeth. Yeah, and he's a that's cousins yeah. as well. Yeah, but he's creepy. Darcy seems less creepy. Does he? He does. He seems grumpy, but not creepy. I don't know. Anyways, so while she's there, Darcy calls on way to Catherine and encounters Eliza. 
gasp. The girl he doesn't like, but, you know, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> the drama. Right? Um, so, so Lizzie's presence leads him to make a number of visits to Colin's home where she is staying. So even though he doesn't like her, he's keeping on visiting Colin's, which he has no connection to it whatsoever, really. But he keeps on showing up there. I wonder why. You know, mm-hmm. mm. and at this point as well in the book, Lizzie seems to be warming to him a little more, enjoying his company a little more. Okay, so she's a little less. She's, she's a little more handsome to him now. Maybe I still don't yes. think he's the word handsome for a woman, but I digress. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so one day he makes a shocking proposal of marriage to her, which she quickly refuses. Which, if I were her. I probably would too, because the way he treats. I mean, you know, oh like, my goodness! I feel like we skip so much in this summary. There's there's so much more drama and just back and forth and walks, and and like Lady Catherine interrogating Lizzie about her family and her upbringing and her ability to play the piano, and you've just this. It's you skip over all of those little bits when you read a summary. Sorry. I guess so. It's, it's one point that makes you read the book, right? Because you, you witness a lot of very compelling dialogue. Yeah. But she tells him that he is arrogant and unpleasant and then still scolds him for taking Bingley away from Jane and disheriting Wickham. So she's like, first of all, you're unpleasant. I don't like you. And on top of it all, took away my sister's possible you know, marriage match. And it's very nice, nice young gentleman. You, took, you disinherited him. So he's just like, insult upon insult she's just hammering him away I and mean, he asked her to marry him and she's like uh no and secondly all the reason why i hate you is like wow like vitriol <laughs> it's very much world. like and here's another thing we both really enjoy it's very much like um burr and hamilton being like vote for me and alexander hamilton being like no and here's an itemized list of 30 years of disagreements <laughs> yes Yes, it's um, just like <laughs> it's a lot, but also you miss a a lot of um, other things. So, do you know why Darcy broke Bingley and Jane up? No, I don't. Okay, so this comes about through um, Darcy's. Uh, I believe it's his cousin. Um. Fitzwilliam, Colonel Fitzwilliam, who also visits um, with Lady Catherine, and they all kind of chat and hang out and get to know each other and everything. And um, Lizzie and uh, Fitzwilliam are walking, and he starts talking about Darcy's like good attributes and how he's such a good friend to Bingley. In fact, he even saved him from a potentially disastrous marriage with someone who was just in it for the money this past year. And Lizzie goes, did he now? Pray tell me more about that. And she figures out it was actually Jane and Bingley and is obviously very upset. But Darcy had his own reasons behind doing that, which we will learn much later as well. But that is what fuels Lizzie's anger to be like, uh, no, and here are all the reasons why I hate you. (laughs) So in a very passive-aggressive fashion, though, he writes her a letter to try and defend himself. Um, I love this part so much. It's so romantic. 
So he admits that he urged Big Willie to distance himself from Jane, but clearly he did so because he thought their romance was not serious. Yes, also um, that because Jane um, didn't always show her emotions fully. She, she, as as a young lady, you can't just go around saying "I am so in love with you" because that might look odd, and that might show that you have. Uh, no honor and your dignity is besmirched. So, so you had to be very careful. So essentially, rather than admitting you love somebody, it's rather just to have an agreeable marriage and be very calm about it. That's what they want. It's just, uh, it's, where's the passion in the, in the, in the region? It's not that there isn't passion. You just had to be very careful about how you expressed it because you didn't want to be seen as a harlot. Man. I know. Not a sex-positive society at all. Not at all. Mm. Anyway, so after Wickham, he tells Lizzie that the young officer is a liar. <laughs> and the real cause of disagreement was Wickham attempted to elope with his younger sister, Georgiana. So Wickham is just apparently a liar. Now, we, we don't know. At least I don't know that this is true or not because it doesn't I don't have any context. But it's a pretty, it's a pretty, I mean, so... I feel like Darcy is meddling in other people's lives too much because, like, he wanted to elope with her sister. Like, if he loves her, his sister, why not let them elope? But he's like, his no, sister no. is very, very young at oh, this point. Oh. Yeah, his sister was very young at this point, and um, Wickham. It was a very uh, problematic situation. Okay, so there's context that I'm not getting. Yes, there's a lot of context there that you you don't have. It's it's yeah. So Wickham's not a good dude. Then is that what I'm getting at? Like he's kind of a sleazy dude. That's well? what Darcy says in the letter. Yes. Okay. All right. So I mean, yes. As an aside, yes, Wickham is actually horrendous, but <laughs> we'll get to more of that later as well. Okay. So the letter causes Lizzie to reevaluate her feelings about about Darcy. And she returns home and acts coldly towards Wickham. So apparently she is basically taking Darcy's word for gospel here. And I'm like, okay, so obviously this guy is trash and treats him as such. And it's like, okay, maybe Darcy isn't so bad. Which I thought a lot of faith gets to a letter, but. But yeah, I mean, what would Darcy's reason for lying in that letter be? I mean, humans always find reasons to lie. So I'm not really sure. As a defense, one way or the other, but I got I have to give her props for like you know obviously she thinks he's somewhat of like a commendable man, so she gives that you know gives that credence I suppose. So anyway, so the militia is leaving town, um, which makes the younger Bennett girls distraught because they love these men men in uniform. I guess something's never changed. Men in uniform are still very attractive to ladies. Yeah. Um, so then Lydia manages to obtain permission from her father to spend the summer in with an old colonel in Brighton, where Wickham's regiment will be stationed. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, why would her father be like, oh, yeah, go see with this old man with a bunch of soldiers over here? Like, what? So, again, this doesn't seem to be explained very well in the summary. Um, Lydia makes very, very, very good friends with that, um, is it a colonel again? Yeah. Probably. Like, his yes. wife, his young uh -oh. wife. And oh, his okay. young wife um, 
asks for Lydia to come and keep her company. That basically. makes more sense. It makes way more sense. And it's going to have a with the old man. I'm like, what? Like, that doesn't seem like at all right with the yeah. era. Okay. That makes much more sense. Um, okay. But um, so with the, now, it's, now it's June now. And Lizzie goes on another journey. This time with the gardeners. Who I don't remember who those are. Oh, the relatives of the Bennets. They're relatives, yes. Okay. I think those are her aunt and uncle. This, this They go up the north, and they are in the neighborhood of Pemberley, which is Darcy's estate. Yes, oh, she, Pemberley. I just think of Pemberley, I think of Manderley from Rebecca, which is completely different. Very so, different. Completely yeah. different vibes. Yes, but still, they're very estately. Um, and just, the names just sound similar, but completely different vibes for sure. Great book, though. Fantastic book. Um, yes. I digress. You won't be reading that. That one you've read. Yes. I have read it. I actually read I read I've read it twice and read an adaptation of it, which is also very good. So I do nice. like it. Yeah, it's very good. I haven't read it before I recommend it putting book a list because it's a good it's a good classic. Very good. It's so, very good, yeah. I've read it a few times as well. So anyways, so she's on vacation near Pemberley, which is Darcy's estate. Um she visits it, but I have to make sure Darcy's not there. Um, and she delights in the grounds of the building. She loves it. She's like, this is an amazing place. And while she's there, she hears from Darcy Service that he's a wonderful, generous master. I'll just say, like, I don't love the word master here. It just, it's, I understand it's a time. And like, it's just like, it's just, mm, that word just a little bit gross. But like, I get the point. Like, so he's, so she's like, okay, like, she has the letter from him and realizes maybe he's not a bad dude. And she goes to his, his house and people's like, oh, he's a mate. He's so nice to us. It's like her, her feelings towards him are definitely warming, I feel like, right? Like, she's like, oh, maybe I'm maybe it's wrong with this guy. Maybe he was just like, maybe he's just staying off. It's just how he generally is, but like, it's not how he is. Yes. So the letter went a long way to explaining his character. And as, as someone who perhaps does not explain themselves as well over, um, face to face and talking as as they do in letter writing i completely understand this i am i find it much easier to give explanations through letters or i guess texts these days but i i do keep to the old ways of letter writing as well yeah. um and i find it much easier to express myself and like talk about things that have happened through words on paper rather than words coming out of my mouth. Sure, I understand. Um, yeah. So I do understand why writing that letter, it was also very important for him because he doesn't share things. Aside from like Bingley, who is his closest friend and his cousin, and he doesn't seem to have these close relationships. His sister as well. We find out later he's very close with his little sister. Okay. Um, and so for him to be so open and candid and honest in that letter, which she wasn't expecting to get any of that extra information, yeah. um, it does have an impact on how Lizzie starts to see him. That's fair. So and then, yes, there. sorry, go ahead. Pemberley as well. Giant like manor house in the beautiful English countryside. It does sound beautiful. So while she's there, he arrives and he's very cordial, cordial around her. But I, I, this is interesting. He makes no mention of her proposal at all. He's actually it never happened. 
And like, that'd be hard to do, but also like very stand up of him. Like, okay, like I asked her, she told me no, no mention of it. That way, like, you know, it's going to be awkward some bit, but like, it won't be as awkward if I mentioned it. Like, well, you didn't, I asked her, you marry me? He said, no. They are, you, I mean, they do have moments to speak alone, but you have to remember she's with her aunt and uncle. And in this kind of society, it, that's not exactly something that you just bring up. And she hasn't told anybody that this happened, aside mm. from Jane. I, actually, I'm not sure that she has at this point told Jane. Okay, okay. Huh. So shortly thereafter, a letter arrives from home, telling Lizzie that Lydia has eloped with Wickham, and the couple's nowhere to be found. So she went to go. She went off with this colonel's wife to help her out, and in the process, ran, ran away with this Wickham character. And it's gas. They're living with living out of wedlock, which is you know. So terrible. now you can kind of understand, um, understanding the societal aspects around this, how that would absolutely ruin your character. You'd never get a husband. It would throw shame on your entire family. Your sisters would most likely not be married either because of the shame that was brought on them by this event happening. Well, it's just not the done thing. And that is exactly what Wickham was trying to do with Darcy's little sister. And Lydia's very young at this point as well. Okay. I want to say she's like 15, 16. Okay. So he's, yeah, he's a creep. Yeah, he's a creep. Okay, that's fair. But they're going to point about how they have, like, you know, the, the embarrassment. That's what kind of happened in Bertrachin, right? Like, somebody catch, catches the Duke, and what's her, what's the character's name? Is it, it it's not Phoebe. Daphne, that's the Daphne. actress's name. <laughs> yes, it is. But they get, they, they get caught, like, you know, and they have to, like, oh, no. Alone. Do- because you're not yeah. supposed to be alone. You always have to have a chaperone. It's just crazy that, like, that's enough to make you want to have to marry somebody, right? Like, oh, no, they caught a gasp. And, like, oh, we have to marry now. This is the proper thing to do. We don't want to ruin you. I'm like, what? Like, I'm pretty sure in that situation, weren't they kissing? Yes, they were. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of implies something more as well. If they hadn't have been kissing, it would have been a bit less yeah, extreme. But because they, they were kissing yeah, in a maze, yeah. and it was her brother that caught them, right? Yeah, I think it was. I need Anthony. to rewatch Bridgerton. It's uh, it is well worth a rewatch for sure. Um, okay, so another Bridgerton side sidebar because that's going to keep on happening. Yeah, it will. Um, <clears throat> so fearful out of disgrace the situation, Lizzie rushes home. Um, <clears throat> oh, I'm not sure how she's going to go find. So Mr. Gardner, Mr. Bennett go off to find Lydia, but Mr. Bennett returns empty-handed, couldn't find her. But a letter comes from Mr. Gardner saying that he, the couple has been found and the Wickham has agreed to marry Lydia in exchange for annual income. So this man, clearly all he wants was money. And this is what his idea was. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and convince this woman to off with me. And the voice came on her family. He's like, okay, we'll marry her. Like, okay, give me money. Um, the Bennets are con- convinced that Mr. Gardner has paid off Wickham. Um... But Lydia, but uh, Lizzie learns that the source of the money in her family's salvation was none other than Darcy. Yeah. So, so like Darcy's coming in and trying to like save the day here for them and like kind of like rescue like you know. So what you have missed here is that when Lizzie received the letter, um, saying that all this had happened, she was still with her aunt and uncle near Pemberley. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
and then Darcy just like walked in the door and she's like, ah, oh my God, my little sister has just been absconded by Wickham. And he's like, what do you need? What can I do? Because she's like about to faint. She is in hysterics, crying, like, because this is this is the family's ruin. And also yeah. her little sister as well. Uh, yeah. Um and because Lizzie knew about Wickham and his ill character, she feels guilty because she had told her father not to let Lydia go, mm -hmm. but her father had kind of brushed it aside. But Lizzie hadn't gone into the specific details of why she should not be allowed to be around Wickham, especially. Mm -hmm. So Lizzie feels had she said anything more, it might have stopped this whole situation. So she's very, very upset. So uh, she's like, go get my uncle. So Darcy sends somebody to go and get um, Mr. Gardner and and kind of everything unfolds from there. And they leave in a really like a big hurry, obviously, to get back to home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so you kind of miss the fact that Darcy's there at the very beginning, right when she finds out. So he therefore knows what's happened. Okay. And he's he's not necessarily swooping in to save the day. Um, sorry, <laughs> the cat just jumped up. Um, but he's he's also been in that situation before, so he understands he understands how detrimental this can be. And unfortunately, because the family's not been able to stop it before it happened, like he was able to with his sister, yeah. this could ruin them all. So and so basically, he does is get best case scenario is he gets her marry he gets her yeah. to marry him. So so at least like it's a respectable marriage for her. Yes, Even it's a respectable it marriage. He makes sure that Wickham has employment. Um, he in in the army, a different kind of rank of the army. I don't know specifics about <laughs> how things worked back then in that area. Um, and he makes sure that. Wickham is paid off to a certain extent. His debts are paid off. And so, yeah, it's a little more of a respectable wedding. So once they're married, Wickham and Lydia return to Longbourn uh, briefly, but Mr. Ben treats them coldly. And then they soon depart for his new assignment north of England. So I'm guessing it's the job that Darcy got him. Yeah. They're on and they're out. Yeah. Uh, so shortly after this, though, Bingley returns to Netherfield and resumes Cordy and Jane. Yay! So Sorry, yeah. I really, I really love Jane and Bingley. They're just so sweet. So they are back to like doing their thing, and then Darcy goes to stay with, stay with Bingley for a while, and while he's there, he pays visits to Bennett, the Bennets, but mentions no desire to marry to Lizzie. Yeah, he's just kind of like, okay, I'm here to visit. You know, I'll come visit you. You're all, you know, we're, we're like, you know, they're like, you know, they're they're very fond acquaintances, I suppose, right? You know, so. Ben, on the other hand, though, is very much enthralled with Jane, and he presses his suit and proposes to Jane. Um, it delights everyone, but Bingley's sister. So she's not happy. Everybody's happy. Like, oh, yay, Bingley and Jane, except for his sister, who is just like not having it. Yeah, unsurprisingly. Yeah. So while they're celebrating, the Lady Catherine, who was the um, her other sister's spouse. No, not sister, cousin, friend, somebody. She's the guy. She's paying the guy who 
wanting to marry Lizzie. Oh, Mr. Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady yeah. Catherine. Yeah. Right. So she pays a visit to Longbourn as well. Yes. And while she's there, she corners Lizzie and says that she heard that Darcy, her nephew, wants to marry her. I don't know how Lady Catherine heard this since Lizzie's told nobody and neither did Darcy, but I don't know. I guess the walls had ears back then. <laughs> Especially for Lady Catherine de Burgh. Yeah. So since she considers that an unsuitable match for Darcy, she demands that Lizzie promises to refuse him. And Lizzie, which is, you know, funny, she spiritually refuses to say no, saying she's not engaged to Darcy, but she's not promising any against her own happiness. Like, good for you, Lizzie, stand for yourself against his old, I'm, I'm assuming Lady Catherine is old. Yeah, she's older. Yeah. And this is, again, where it's important to know that, yeah, her daughter is supposed to marry Darcy, which is one of the reasons why she's so upset. So anyways, so after that, Leslie and Darcy go out for a walk together. And he confesses his feelings have not altered since the spring. Um, and, so, you know, he's probably, again, I haven't read it, so I'm not sure. I'm assuming he's, like, he's very eloquently stating his case of his feelings for her because he seems a very eloquent spoken man. Um, but she accepts his proposal. So he proposes again. She finally says yes. And now both Jane and Lizzie are both married to respectable marriages, to respectable men who are also friends, which makes it good. So they're sisters and they're married to friends. It's a very, very welcome match, I suppose. Yeah. Everybody's and happy. And that is what I have for the summary. So this is what I get for Crime Christmas. So um, I think, like, since what you told me, I miss a lot of content, a lot of dialogue. Makes it, like, like, read the summary. It seems like, seems like a, you know, a very, like, you know, it has, a, you know, a, a solid plot to follow, some intrigue. But I feel like definitely for what makes it a classic, what people will love, is dialogue that I am missing. So, yes, yes, there's a lot of dialogue that you are missing. I was going to bring some of that up as well. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing that's where the disconnect for me comes from, is like this, the plot sound, there's a some reason it's not super special, but like with the, but what makes it, what way it makes this book have its like same power is the dialogue. So I'm assuming, just judging for like what symptoms I've seen, and here's the thing, so remember, I remember we're going to watch the movies after this, um, next episode yes. we'll discuss the movies, so I will hopefully give you more context because that will that will I'm assuming include more to more dialogue. It will. Uh, it'll include some of the most wonderful, famous lines, which I didn't I didn't bring up in this episode as much, even though probably the the most famous ones have come from Darcy's letter and the proposals and all of that. But I yeah, I kind of want you to experience them in the films. I just want to like, like the one scene I know from the movie, at least the Colin Firth version, is where he's wet and his shirt's open. And I don't know what context that happens in. Yes, Colin Firth walking out of the lake, dripping yes. wet. I'm not sure what comes in in the story, but like, I think that's an image that's in my brain from that movie. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but like, that seems to be like the one scene that everybody pulls out for like, you know, gifts and memes and stuff. So it must be. It is. It's a good yeah. moment. Yeah, so I'm excited to watch the movies and get more context uh, because I think it's going to really help me kind of put together like, why this is such a staying power book, why people love it so much. Because like I said, I got the summary seems fine. Like I get like I can see some tension that would be kind of interesting to read as a reader, um, and knowing what I know from Bridgerton, like I, I can see some some reliability there. Uh, so like, I can see it being engaging, but I don't see anything necessarily that we want to talk about in the summary yet. 
But again, I'm hoping that the movies go much further to kind of bring that to me. I'll read the book will be the best thing for me to do. But I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, you um, took the words right out of my mouth. I was like, read the book. It's better than the yes. summary. And it's better than the like miniseries and the film. At, but you will, you'll see. They do illustrate the tension and the drama and everything quite well. I am a big fan of movie adaptations. Because for me, I'm a very visual person. So like I do well to see how somebody adapts the words to the screen much more than I do reading the book. Like I definitely am a person who likes to see things better than read them. Yeah. So, like, I think for me, the movie will do will go better, will go further than the book would. But I am here's here, caveat here. I am read graphic novel version of Prime Prejudice. I am gonna read Prime Prejudice in a very short abridged version. Um, I'm not sure how it's gonna be. We'll discuss that in the next episode too. I'll probably mention that briefly. I'll have it read by then. Um but so I am going to have some bit of knowledge of reading it, the text as it were. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. So next episode, we'll come back with me reading the graphic novel and watching both the miniseries and the film version of Prime Prejudice. And this will kind of recap, this will cap off our first book. And then we'll do a new book, which we're not sure what we're going to do yet, but it'll be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Again, it can't be a book that I've ever read, though. So just take yeah. off I've read some of the classics. Like I've read, you know, so like... That does limit our ability a little bit. I have, I you're not going to make me read Moby Dick, are you? I've read it, so now you're Oh, thank it. goodness. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. I mean, again, I that. have read it as well. Yeah. No. Yeah, I've read that, so we're good. Uh, but yeah. So that's where we're at. Hopefully you enjoy this so far. I think I have. I feel like I have a bit of better understanding of why people are going to so much. I'm still not there yet, but I'm definitely closer to understanding than I was before this. I, I, I'm enjoying this a lot. Um, I think that, well, again, you enjoy Bridgerton, so you'll really like the miniseries and the film. Um, I've not read the Bridgerton books, so I don't really know how they compare. Well, from my understanding, I think the Bridgerton books aren't really super well written. It's more like, it's not, nobody's ever called Bridgerton a classic, right? Yeah. It's more like it's like it's a paperback book is what they were. Yeah. It's, a ro- it's a romance, which is fine. Okay, it's not like no shade here. It's worth, I don't matter who the author is. There's zero shade here. It's a wonderful story. It's enticing. It's very spicy, which honestly I love. Um, <laughs> but like, I, it's not. It's not ever going to be held up to like the halls of Jane Austen. Like it's just no, not, like, exactly. Book, and that's fine. Like most of our novels we get today aren't like that. But you know, what matters is do you enjoy the story? Yes, exactly. And I think um, because people enjoy Jane Austen's novels and that kind of world and that time so much, that's one of the reasons that the Bridgerton books and films are very, or the TV right. series rather, are very popular because people love that world because of Jane Austen. Yeah, no, I think definitely, you know, Bridgerton is riding the coattails of what Prime Prejudice did for exactly interesting time period. Because when you look at it, the uh, Daphne and the Duke, their relationship is very, it's not necessarily similar, but their characteristics and their, I guess, relationship has some things in common with Lizzie and Darcy. The Duke is very standoffish and, like, uh, aloof. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's a lot of similarities. I think what part of what Bridgerton, again, I'm sorry, everybody, for the Bridgerton digression here, but... I'm not sorry. 
I think part of what makes it so interesting to people is that so Occupy Prejudice, this, that, that time period which I discussed earlier, it's very, it's not, it was very buttoned up, right? Very much like prim and proper. And Bridget's saying that we, get, we take that world and to Jane Austen showed the book, she, there's no, there's no real spice. There's no spice in Pride and Prejudice. I'm assuming it's not spice in there, really. No, not what we would consider spice. There are lots of implications. Sure. Um, but the fact that it was even written by a lady, which is how it was published. It was published. Jane Austen didn't publish it originally under her own name. She published okay. it under a lady. Hmm. How, how, how lady whistled down. Yes. Here we go again. Like but, I'm saying, there's lots of little bits. But what I was saying though was like they took so, so the author Bridgerton took what you know this this you know this pop this whole time period which is very much considered buttoned up. She takes it and then she basically spices it up for modern. So it's yeah. it's like she just takes it, she took took the storyline. She basically you know evolved it into a spicier version for our time for like yeah. So it's it's like. Yeah, they're they are iterations of each other, and I think that's you know, which is fine. I, I love yes. Bridgerton. Yep, I do. I'm very excited for the next season to come out. I cannot wait. I yeah, I should watch it again though because I don't actually. Yeah, I should watch it again. Just I need to as well. My partner's never seen it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe they'll watch it with me. Oh, there you go. I know they might I'll like it. Watch it with my cat. I think people love that. <laughs> yeah, I think she would. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're wrapping up because we're, we're about we're over the half an hour mark, which we kind of want to keep this episode at about half an hour or so. So, like, you know, it's good for your morning commute or whatever. You fit it in there. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll see you again next time. Like I said, we'll, and we'll discuss the movies and any series and the graphic novel and kind of go from there. And then we'll let you know what our next book will be next time. So, stay tuned. We'll see you next time. So, for Dave. And Abby. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. That was brilliant. We're still recording. Mine is still recording. Should I leave the recording? Oh, okay. <laughs>